We are huddled here together in the Pioneer Bivouac. It is Josh, Brett, and Nick. Talking about the bands that just happened less than an hour ago. We have Oath of Nyssa, Leyline of Abundance, and Felidar Guardian. So we have the two top decks in the format neutered. And I like most of the bands, but I'm not a big fan of Oath of Nyssa. I think they might have got the wrong card. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge your statement of neutered. <laughs> Because I, I mean, cat I, combo just isn't a deck I, I think, anymore. <laughs> I think cat cat combo was executed. Yeah. Okay. That one, that one's gone, and uh, I'm gonna assume never to return. Tossed in the river, man. Like. Yeah, that one's sleeping with the fishes. Took the cat, put it in a plastic bag with some rocks, and threw it off a bridge. Very bad soundbite. <laughs> we'll just isolate that. But for me, I actually think that uh, Felidar Guardian is a much more interesting card than Sahili. I could eventually see them switching the ban between the two. I am so deeply indifferent between the two at this point in the format, especially because if Oath of Nyssa is gone, I don't think Felidar Guardian is doing anything super interesting right now. Mm-hmm. I do understand and respect their stance that they chose Felidar Guardian out of the interest of future printings because Felidar Guardian is the card more likely to be banned because I think it's just that you're not going to see creatures or cards that flicker planeswalkers terribly often and I think that they're just respecting the fact that Felidar Guardian's probably the one that's going to do is broke something insane and it's probably not going to be Sahili and that that's fair enough mm-hmm. yeah um, flickering a permanent is a Felidar Guardian exclusive ability yeah, like, or, or it's on very specific cards, like, you know, and Flicker Wisp, but that has certain Definitely. restrictions and timing things. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to find another Sahili combo, period, for probably the rest of time. I'm not too worried about it. The Mono Green Devotion bands, because there were two of them, which I think is kind of wild, actually. Understandable, because I had run into it once the couple first couple turns but it definitely consolidated itself very quickly as the deck to beat i think way more so than the cat combo decks it was all over the first top eight it was actually shouldn't say all over the first top eight but it was all over the first pioneer ptq it was all over that the first nrg series pioneer event that 5k it seemed to be all over twitter from various pros pages i know sam black was a big proponent of the deck todd anderson top aided the ptq with it so it was it was just like this clear front runner of the format and there weren't really ways of combating it on the play particularly when they had those leyland of abundance draws so I think Leyline of the Abundance was definitely the correct hit. Uh, Oath of Nyssa, maybe the correct hit. Uh, the Leyline had to go. If two pieces were what it takes, then, you know, these two pieces are fine. I also, just one thing occurred to me. Oath of Nyssa actually might be a ban to make it harder to cast the Planeswalker because I've seen three-color, four-color decks using Oath of Nyssa to compensate for... Their terrible mana base? Yes, where they don't don't have to play the Mana Confluence, which we've seen out of other aggro decks playing three colors. It's also just like a pseudo-ponder, right? Yes, and being able to find a Planeswalker off that or a land is pretty good. Like, you can't find Instant Sorceries, but those decks are just using Planeswalkers for value anyway. Does anybody actually cast Instant Sorceries? in this format it just seems like it's <laughs> funny nothing. story yeah like, <laughs> like has anybody tried doing that it's like okay the phoenix decks do but like you know you're not really casting them because you're excited to play opt like trust me i think that that makes a lot of sense i'm not i'm not terribly it's i'm not terribly surprised if there's anything i'm surprised about it's actually just how quickly this happened however with cards being banned it makes sense that these are the two decks that are a little bit oppressive at this moment and this is kind of an interesting part is they've returned back in their ban restricted announcement to the we have our own pool of sort of secret data that suggests that these decks are oppressive in the format that they're winning too much uh from their back end and so yeah i I trust it makes sense Mm -hmm. i i almost have nothing to say because beyond that i don't i don't think it's all that crazy you know the fact that it happened is is surprising me but if it were to happen these are the cards that go yeah it makes sense kind of move on it does drive the format into a new direction which is probably good because those decks were very uninteractive well fork color cat was miserable to play against they landed to fairy and then the game's over yeah the only way I could have seen Cat staying around is if Teferi got banned, and I think they just want Teferi in the format in the same way they do in Modern as a way for decks to protect themselves against those counterspells or against those interactive kind of things, but they didn't want a combo that just straight up won right at that second. 
I'm going to go with the slightly uh, jaded stance on it in that I don't think they're going to ban a card that isn't standard in an eternal format <laughs> because I think players will get too upset and perhaps call for that ban the ban of that same card in the standard format. Uh, a good card I'm looking at with a, a bit of a side eye there is Once Upon a Time versus Oath of Nyssa. One of those cards is doing something quite a bit more powerful things than the other particularly with the zero versus one mana at the five versus three deep when these decks are generally using this card to look for Nykthos or Walking Ballista. Or to fix their mana if they're playing multicolors. I am like a little bit less inclined to believe that that is super important. Like I think that even from standard, the the fact that the Oath of Nyssa fixes your mana is more of a upside than it is a reason you're playing the card. I was actually talking about Once Upon a Time. Oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that too. Again, it's just like, I I suspect these cards are not on the list until they perhaps leave standard. And I, you know what? That's fine by me. I, I like I said, I don't think really the deck's going to be so wildly different than if, if it has Once Upon a Time versus Oath of Nyssa, that it's something we should be scared of scared of or worried about uh i still think those green devotion decks kind of exist again you're still doing a lot of the same things it's just that now instead of casting a walking ballista for you know 15 on turn three you're casting your walking ballista for like six and that's maybe a little bit more fair yeah instead of turn two nissa you have a turn three or four nissa and you have a regular game of magic yeah well regular ish regular regular esque yeah. You know, we we're, we like I I get I don't think that the mono green deck should disappear. No, I think it's still a, a, essentially a fine part of the format, but it was certainly too good. Like I I was watching the NRG stream over the weekend and I saw turn one double leyline elf. It's like oh, I can see a, a Nykthos in their hand and a Nissa. Yeah, specifically the multi leyline draws were outrageous because if you hit. Nykthos, your land just taps for like six or something. Like it, it just was kind of nonsense. And so, you know, it's a bit of a good riddance. Uh, I, I th I'm like way more excited about the Ley Line than I am Oath of Nyssa. You know, if that card comes back, sure. I, I suspect Cat is just gone forever. Last episode, we were not bringing up cards we wanted banned. But since this is the ban episode, then I want to bring up Oko because everyone wants that gone out of every format ironically i am pretty indifferent about additional bands at this point uh oko will likely eventually go but i think it's probably it, it's probably warping but ultimately not the biggest deal right now i think a big part of why oko is being so reviled in eternal formats is just how miserable it is in the current standard format like people are carrying some of this like enmity towards oko from standard into the other formats there was a stream this weekend of the vintage mm -hmm. league final or not vintage league the eternal, uh, eternal weekend for vintage yeah and just seeing oko in every deck being the win condition for those decks is really telling for it in other formats i know that its abilities are much more powerful in vintage because of the targets but at the same time i think that it's seeing play over true name nemesis in those kind of formats it's saying more about how that card performs in eternal formats than it does in standard so i'm going to make a slightly a slight claim to that that point though is my understanding of oko in vintage and why it was it had that uptick in popularity is it was specifically a new tool for oath decks and that oath decks always fall in and out of favor in that format and oko was just a clean new tool that almost just revitalized an older archetype that has always been viable or on the fringe of viable so i don't think oko like showed up and started wrecking base in all sorts of different vintage decks it was like oh this is a natural new card for the oath of druids decks where you now have this new method of making a creature on your opponent's side of the battlefield as well as a new way of fighting through hate by turning opposing graph diggers cages into creatures and so my interpretation of oko's place in vintage is actually it's like considered to be more of like a breath of fresh air than it is some sort of new oppressive powerhouse ignoring its impact on like the mishra's workshop shop 
side of that metagame. But I think even Mishra's Workshop, those decks have got enough creatures that have counters or like affinity, like your Ravagers, your Ballistas, your walk, Hangerback Walkers, where Oko isn't oppressive because it can't actually make these creatures into 3-3s three without making maybe a 5-5 five five that just kills the Oko back. And that's like, you know, good clean magic as far as vintage is concerned. I admit, not something I'm directly a part of, not something I'm super aware of, but that's kind of the, the gist of that situation, uh, that as far as I understand it. Is Oko going to end up being too good in Pioneer? Uh, I think it currently is. It could be, yeah. Uh, I think like, You can't play a mid-range mirror against an Oko deck. Yes, and that's kind of the problem, is you can never go over the top of Oko, because Oko can always bring you back down to yeah. its level. I was playing uh, like Abzan mid-range against Sultai, and you just... But like you're just never winning that you play a Zedrano, yeah. it's a three three. Yeah. And like they're creating a creature every turn, you brick, it's you're dead. I've actually been playing a lot of red online and I've been thinking about splashing black in all of my decks because I, I need an answer to the life game from food. <laughs> well I'm I'm out here seeing like People are out here playing Glorybringer again because you can exert and kill an elk on the way to attacking an Oko. And if they make your Glorybringer an elk, it just untaps a turn earlier and you get to continue jamming. Well, you, like, like I, I, I've seen, these are, I'm just saying, I don't, is it insanely good in the creature matchups? Absolutely. But my question is, you've been, you were saying earlier that who plays spells in this format? All of them are creature matchups. You know what? That that is fair. Yeah, that that's like that could be a relevant factor. Is if everybody's playing in creature matchups and there's this creature matchup trump in the game, then yeah, that that could be a problem. But it's more of I guess my mindset when it comes towards playing the game or playing certain cards is like I have such little control. I have functionally no control of the situation as to whether or not Oko remains legal in the format. So rather than like being upset about it or being emotionally attached about it or kind of really even having a strong opinion on whether or not it should remain in the format i've just chosen to accept it as part of my reality and not worry about it like oko's here it may be here to say it may not i'm just going to continue to do whatever i believe is strong in the format and if it ends up that oko gets banned at some point then you know i'll reevaluate okay super reasonable so since we've discussed how the format was what were you playing right up to the ban is it phoenix the biggest winner of this ban is restricted update <laughs> that's quite possible i mean it, it, the big winners right so i, I want to direct us i will i love doing winners losers type things when it comes to these these specific announcements like what came out ahead what came out behind it's pretty obvious cat combo is dead it's pretty obvious mono green is a lot worse but what are the decks that really benefit from this i think one deck that really benefits is is it phoenix treasure cruise and dig through time are still legal that's like pretty absurd mm -hmm. i do i think that could last for a long time uh if you asked me a week ago i would say yes if you ask me today i think that dig through time could easily be on the chopping block because the other big winner is the winner of this at this Pioneer PTQ from Friday, Simic Nexus. Hmm. If there's a deck that benefits from the dig through time being legal, it's the deck that just needs to keep hitting their Nexus fate. And it also lost one of its bad matchups with the cat combo. Exactly, because typically typically these Nexus of Fate decks struggle a little bit against Teferi, the Time Raveler. That's one of the best cards in the format against them, and Teferi just lost one of its natural homes. Hmm. I'm not really sure right now what the approach to be to fight the Simic Nexus decks are. It's also just kind of wild to me that a deck that is playing four fog, like when Wild Slash was one of the most heavily played cards in the format, that a deck with four fogs won a PTQ. I think it actually resorts down to the only decks I see playing Wild Slash have to work to get a creature with four or more power like i'm not seeing um the is it in soul artifacts decks playing wild slash i'm seeing they're playing stubborn now which is actually still good against the simic food decks but what i i've been trying to do is since the format's actually settled down a bit i've gone back to ramen at bread because that deck has powerful three drops it has power it has has red at the top of the curve and because of how powerful the deck is you don't even have to play those four hazards to sink in your hand you'll just draw one late in the game no cards in hand to plow your opponent to some extent i don't know if there's any other decks right now that are uh, universally understood as being towards the top of the format truly benefit from these changes because again it's really more of a those two decks lose everybody else wins but mm. i'm more curious about what other decks do you guys think maybe have some cards on the radar 
Uh, I think the Hardened Scales decks are very powerful. I don't know if they have a car if Hardened Scales is actually on the radar itself, but that deck is very good, and some decks just really have trouble beating. I think it, it boils down to the fact that it attacks from so many different angles, and it does have a card in the format that completely neuters it. Uh, Blight Beetle from M20 yep. is a card that they just basically can't beat. They don't have main deck removal because stuff like Dismember is not in the format. They can play Warping Whale, which is a way to actually get rid of the Blight Beetle. But for the most part, that's kind of a hidden tech that is uh, that has started to show up against it. But once they make that conversion, start playing Warping Whale and stuff, I think that that deck might be the deck to beat coming up as the mid-range aggressive deck. I mean, Solemnity's in the format. I think that card's too slow, and green has a lot of ways to actually stop the effect before it actually matters like the fact that they have there we have a natural state as a one manner in uh, removal spell where they just go okay kill that now i'm going to continue what i'm doing hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me i uh i've allowed myself to kind of settle into the is it phoenix light so i've felt that again the those decks are so reliant on walking ballista as the main form of interaction that uh maybe i'm undervaluing them i, I feel like their games are a little bit polarized whether or not they have a walking ballista and so i've been kind of hesitant to really to go in there but i've also heard good things about the green black versions where you get to play winding constrictors and other copy of scales and then you have access to fatal push thought seeds yeah to try and interact a little bit more I, profitably i've also seen some decks start play stone cold Coil Serpent, which, yes. which is really powerful for that deck as a way to fight against the Multicolored Planeswalkers and Abrupt Decay in, in the format. I, that card has reach. I think, yeah. that, <laughs> I think Stone Cold Serpent is just almost a, a stock inclusion at this point. Like yeah. It's just a generically solid creature. It does basically everything they want. It's an artifact creature. It has counters on it. It has a bunch of keywords. It's just, it it's, suits the game plan of that deck. Can't be too well. Creature type construct. Creature type construct. Limit. Does it all. Yep. Is it a snake construct? Uh, I, I can tell you. I, I believe it, I think it is. It might just be construct. Yep. It is only a construct. Disappointing. It, it also can't be code, which... Yep, the multicolor aspect really, do, really does matter. We, I think actually Red lost in this, because Red was one of the decks that was actually better against uh, the cat combo, because they had so much shocks and wild slashes, and on the sideboard they had uh, Rending Volley to deal with the cat. I think that going forward, that deck is going to be overshadowed by a lot of the mid-range decks that are going to show up <laughs> in that absence of combo. Where are you finding your mono-red lists? I will give a shout out a little bit to the Arena Decklist started a Pioneer Decklist Twitter account that posts 5-0 lists and I am basically trying to get myself into a red niche here, <laughs> find my home among the uh, mountains and become a red expert. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, man, I found a burn deck on MTG Goldfish that 5-0'd, and I just, like, I felt like it was terrible the entire time I was yeah. playing it. The things that I've tried for different um, red, I think the Wizard's Lightning versions are a little too cute and inconsistent. I'm currently trying out a version that is running um, the Flame of Keld as extra copies so that I can play Fiery Temper, because you're already playing Bomek Courier and Smuggler's Copter in the deck, so it allows you to have another one-mana burn spell that is instant and can be used with those to make it cheap. Otherwise, it's just three mana and you don't have to worry about it. Okay, makes a lot of sense to me. I'm curious... Have so you been I, playing the format at all? Didn't you just win a PTQ? Haven't you been grinding standard nonstop? Yeah, that doesn't mean I can't do it all. You know, I, I won my PTQ. Now I'm free. I can do whatever I want. You don't have to play any more of yeah, the standard. I don't have to play more standard, although I've been having a lot of fun playing standard. But, like, I don't have to play any more standard. I get to, like, dive back into Pioneer. Like, the worst part is now I can't play the Pioneer PTQs. I'm, like, I'm just stuck in the leagues, man. I have to make a choice of what I want to do. I was going to ambush you guys with a, with a new question. Is that, Do you guys have any decks that you think are sweet and or you think have potential that you've noticed so far? I really, Ones that are not established. I really want Is It Wizards to come forth. I think that the fact that you have Dreadhorder Canist and you have Adelies and you have uh, uh, Siren Storm Tamer, you have uh, Gitu Lava Runner, you have so many powerful wizards in the format. You have Brawl, is probably not a main deck card, but 
There are so many powerful wizards, and you have this tight package of Wizards Lightning, Wizard Retort, you have Spell Pierce, you have all these disruptive elements to the deck. With Dead Red Horde Arcanist, you can get some really quick kills out of that deck. I just am putting lists together, but I, I Dread Horde Arcanist is really expensive on Mitko. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I learned that lesson, unfortunately, the other night when I was also looking to do some brewing with Dread Horde Arcanist. I will admit I was going in a very different direction than what you're describing. Do you guys buy cards on Moto? Dread Horde Arcanist is a card I forgot. I bought oh, no. literally every red card I thought I would play, and all of the dual in the color combinations i did not pick up mana confluences though for a yeah. hundred bucks yeah i do why i, I uh, mana traders mana traders yeah i think the problem is that not a sponsored post <laughs> my, well the problem is i i have i'm like entrenched enough in moto that it is almost always cheaper for me to finish a given deck or move cards from my collection around than it is for me to start the subscription with mana traders if i like sold out of my collection and, and moved the tickets or did something with that I would then pick up mana traders and I think that would make sense. But I just happen to be in this awkward in-between where it, you know, I have enough of the cards that it makes more sense for me to just kind of maintain. I had, uh, I've been playing Canadian Highlander on Midgo for four or five months. And before that, I had this large amount of tickets that I had accumulated uh, where I won a month worth of vintage cube in december one year this is right before they switched over to play points and made 350 tickets that's crazy <laughs> i lost two drafts and that was two one hmm. okay <laughs> i mean if you find your niche and you can you know you pearl a bunch of tickets out of nowhere i mean i you know that's that's the dream for for a lot of magic online stuff right because then you can just fund your future play for the foreseeable future yeah like i had to spend actual real money on this kind of thing but it was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna trade back this stoneforge mystic i've had for canlander and get like half the the cost of it yeah exactly that's 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 kind of what happens and like that's what i do too i i think i've pared down a lot of my magic online collection to a couple decks that i just play and i i mostly just stick to that you know that's just why i haven't really made the transition to mana traders for me what i was going to bring up is there's two decks i think are really interesting right now that i i think uh i want to look out for one is mono black vampires or mono black devotion whatever you choose to call it it is a primarily vampires based deck that plays the three mana sword from m20 as well as kind of all of the hits up the curve. Your Knight of the Ebon Legions, your skilled Aetherborn. What is the... Uh, uh, gifted Aetherborn. Yeah, gifted Aetherborn, Kalidus, Trader of Get. You get to play Nykthos because there's a lot of black mana symbols. You get to play Grey Merchant. That deck specifically has been played by like sort of a noted uh, Magic Online grinder, Clyde the Glide Drexler. Uh, in the last two Pioneer Challenge weekends, he has top aided both of them, or they, I don't know, as well as some League 5 O's when someone who is a kind of a noted grinder is playing a deck that's kind of off meta and having that kind of continued success that usually means something. So that's a deck I would keep an eye on and uh, I'm looking to hopefully try out myself. As well as uh, Pascal, Pascal Maynard posted a Coco list, a rug Coco list on his Twitter that I thought looked really interesting because it was essentially uh, the eight dorks and then all three drops with the caveat that it was playing four Brazen Borer, four Bone Crusher Giant to kind of fill that gap where you either don't have a Mana Dork or your Mana Dork dies. So you have this two mana interactive spell. And then it plays the card after my own heart, Savage Knuckle Blade, <laughs> as well as these other threes to be like these really impactful hits to make sure that every time you cast Coco, you're getting like eight power out of it. Like I can definitely see that. And there is a lot of powerful cards in that color combination that just really don't find their home in modern because that color combination doesn't have an iconic enough card or powerful enough interaction. Uh, my question actually is for that list, because I've heard about it from another source, haven't actually seen the list in paper. Is it playing any of the three mana Planeswalker? Uh, it is playing Oko. Okay, yeah, because I've seen a couple lists playing... Royal Scions? The Royal Scions, which is an insane <clears throat> card in this format that I think is severely underplayed i have been in so if you want to hear about specifically some is it phoenix technology right on the cutting edge here i specifically think that the if there is going to be a copy of is it phoenix which is like broken in the format it's going to be because someone figures out how to replace a thing in the ice why is this important 
So Thing in the Ice was a, is a card in the, in the Is It Phoenix Sex of Modern because you have access to free spells. So is it so your thing in the ice is always flipping the turn after you cast it with a like a high enough frequency that you can essentially call it a two mana seven eight it's getting in for seven the next turn and it's a wrath that bounces the blockers for the phoenixes to come into combat correct however in pioneer you can't reliably flip this thing in the ice the next turn and even sometimes it's difficult to profitably flip it in two turns for example if you have a couple of phoenixes you don't necessarily want to cast two spells and then another two spells to flip your thing in the ice because it's so vulnerable towards removal so i've been like somewhat interested in finding another card and i've actually been testing just upping the quantity of uh royal scions i am playing in my deck and then playing a slightly higher number of madness spells to accommodate and having that be a sec just my secondary line of attack because it's just very difficult to interact with for most decks and that the ultimate happens so quickly that it's a viable threat on its own beyond that these decks play lightning axe fiery temper so it has a very good time controlling these smaller creature boards or that's something the deck is already interested in doing and i think that the royal science is a fairly powerful magic card i've also seen some more interesting lists again if you want to like dive into the depths of pioneer and see what some of the people are doing in the lab a little bit uh, i've seen some royal scions dreadheart dread horde arcanist decks where really if dreadhorde arcanist is ever flashing back even a two mana spell which is almost always something in like the abrupt decay assassin's trophy some sort lightning of strike. lightning strike some sort of two mana removal spell or interactive spell that's the moment where dreadhorde arcanist starts to look very powerful and it just being a sort of general enabler for a variety of different strategies makes me also pretty interested in the card. I think it's definitely one that looks a little bit weaker, I think, at first glance. A lot of people have had written it off, but the more I've played it, the more I'm convinced that it's doing something fairly powerful. Yeah, like the, the decks... The red decks I've seen running it are like either blue red playing Royal Scions with the, the wizards, or I've seen it out of green red for Atarkus Command and uh, get going wide with creatures with uh, the Goblin Bushwhacker in the format, Reckless Book Bushwhacker, and just having those go wide aggro wizard prowess sort of decks with Atarkus Command just pushes through so much damage. I had a match recently. I barely pulled through because my opponent on turn three attacked me for 16. Hmm. I was at 17. <clears throat> I luckily was able to sweep his board after that. But it was one of those things of, I am dead to anything. And I got very lucky to not die to anything. If you just had a slightly better luck with that, I'm just toast. And the fact that they can do that relatively consistently is very powerful. Mm -hmm. I, I do think the Bushwhacker decks of the format look pretty interesting. Nick, have you have any decks that you're particularly interested in? So I've been playing a little bit of Esper Control with uh, Torrential Gear Hulk, uh, Narset, and Commit to Memory. Ooh. Ah, yes, that's so, a that's a playable. Yeah, deal. man. In their draw step, they're just helping. Is Memory an instant? Commit is. Yeah, qu Commit is. So you can uh, you can Gear Hulk target the commit half and cast the memory half oh which is uh disgusting i yeah. can see how that might be uh fairly interesting yeah. yeah so uh then they have nothing and you just hit them for five over and over again uh, i've been playing a little bit of abs and midrange okay uh loses to any oko midrange deck but other than that it feels all right you have you know abrupt decay siege uh, rhino siege rhino siege rhino i've actually been finding is not the card we all remember it to be. I think the the thing with Seed Rhino is it's better in the aggressive Absan decks than the mid ranger Absan deck. You know what I I will say is that uh, the first time Seed Rhino and Savage Knuckleblade were standard, the uh, blue green decks didn't have a lot going against these blue black decks or sorry green black decks. And I am not all that upset that tides have turned a little bit. That Seed Rhino can kind of <laughs> go it's and Knuckleblades go and time. go and suck it. You know. Like, like, come on, Nux, it's your time. This is it. He's been waiting for so long. He's been waiting his entire life to be a playable card. <laughs> I will say, though, I, I do think Abzan does have a chance uh, to do great things just because I think Anafenza is a card in this format that's underplayed. My Yeah, so, the effect on Anafenza is neat. And big body for three mana. The difficult part, and this is hurts my soul a little bit to say, is that I think there's almost no draw to playing white in this format at this given time in basically any deck. Uh, Terrible removal. It, yeah, you, your interactive spells are worse across the board. Your creatures, your 
creatures are worse, more or less across the board. And it's not like modern where white has arguably the strongest sideboard. Yeah, like you you have some sideboard options, but not necessarily very many. It pains me as you know someone who plays a lot of white in other formats. I think that this is the this isn't the place for it. I I suspect that uh, that that's really the reason is you have to justify to yourself that if you're playing green black already, why do you want to splash white versus blue? And I think you can't find a reason. The answer is Siege Rhino. Yeah, like, is it? It's it's literally the only white card in these decks is Siege Rhino and Offenza. Yeah, but like, are... Uh, That's literally but it. What, but like, what are these cards bringing to the table that the blue cards aren't doing better? No, I agree with you. Like, yeah, I, I think <clears throat> what it boils down to is I think the only card that I've seen in lists that is not multicolored like, I think the multicolor white spells are what are driving people to play that color. The only card I've actually seen that's mono-white that in lists is Approach of the Second Sun as a wish target for the blue-white control decks to win. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. And you know what, actually, I have seen... So, a deck I've seen, I haven't seen it do well, but I've seen it, is these Fires of Inventions Soulfire Grandmaster decks. Oof. I had a very, very interesting match actually at Star Lotus last week mm -hmm. where I was playing a Red Prowess Wizards that I moved on from now, but I was playing against this deck and it, it can just kill you out of nowhere if you have no way to interact with that a 2-2 two -two for two. Yep. If, if they play Fires and get to seven mana, you lose. That is definitely, and I think that could be maybe how a somewhat white-based deck uh, arrives in the format, where they're taking advantage of the potentially extremely powerful late, late game that you can get out of white from cards like Approach the Second Sons and like Soulfire Master. Yeah, but you have to get to the late, late game. Exactly, and it feels like... incredibly hard. And that's where I was going to go with this, like, I don't think you can do that. The, the deck actually felt very real. It was playing Lightning Strike as removal, which is like kind of medium in the format. It has uh, very good wraths between Supreme Verdict and Anchor of the Gods. And yep. the deck actually can, if you have um, Soulfire Grandmaster on the field, mm -hmm. and you have eight lands, mm. you play Fires that turn, and then uh, Nexus for four mana, get return it back to your hand. Yeah, and then it's over. And then it's over. Yeah. The fact that with Teferi, it has the ability to prevent your opponent from interacting with your 2-2. Mm -hmm. You could even go play Teferi, play the 2-2, uh, leave up a counterspell so you can't kill my 2-2. Go back to my turn, play Fires, combo off. And yep. you just never get another turn, and you die to a 2-2 that keeps casting a lightning strike at you. That'll definitely happen. Like, it's certainly one of those things where, yeah, like, I can I can see how the, the late game of these decks can be very appealing because it's such a, a lights-out finish, and it, it's really all in the details of getting to that late The game. life gain from Soulfire Grandmaster is not nothing. Anger of the Gods and Soulfire Grandmaster is a, a nice one. Spicy meatball. I would like gain to gain a lot of life. You gain, like, 21 <laughs> life. Hey, would you like to get to the late game? Gain more than your starting life total. I, uh, I mean, I can imagine it. Makes a lot of sense. We did see the banning of Leyline of uh, Abundance. We do have four other Leylines in the format. Do you think that those will actually start to see play? No, absolutely not. I mean, beyond like Leyline of the Void being a, a sideboard card, none of these other cards have any sort of relevant main deck text. Because one of the things that I've been trying out, and it's been pretty good is ley line of uh the red ley line in combustion combustion in the sideboard of red decks against those sultai decks yeah i can oh i can certainly see some of them maybe seeing play as a sideboard card but i don't think that those are ever tied to ley line the way like ley line of abundance was used as like a devotion enabler right oh i i never um, meant as that but as a sideboard okay i mean ley line of the void yes it's just one of the better graveyard interactive like hate pieces you can play ley line of sanctity i think is already seeing play in these boggles decks where you're just trying to prevent some sort of sacrifice effect or edict effects and that makes a lot of sense to me and then yeah combustion makes sense for these like if you're playing some sort of burn deck and it just punishes your opponent from trying to interact with you okay that makes sense do we even i think we only have one more ley line right anticipation uh, no <laughs> Yeah, we, we have a lot... Uh, with Teferi in the format, there's not really a reason to be casting sorceries. Yeah, and honestly, it's just... That effect is almost never worth a card. No. Like, if you want that effect, you can play a Quicken in your deck if you really want to. Because Quicken is one of the few cantrips in the format. Or, like, Prophet of Crucifix, if you really want to flash creatures in. Sure. That'll, that'll Actually, make sense to me. you also have Nissa. Or, not... If three mana Vivian from War of the Spark, which does that a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can think of no reason that you would spend a card to give no. things Do any splash. of this? Yeah, I knew they could eye. Going back to Leyline of the Void, I think if you can put it in for free on turn zero, the effect is really powerful. But uh, I've been casting Rest in Peace on turn two, and it just feels terrible. Interesting. Yeah. Really? I Do we have... But what decks are you are you casting these well, Rest you play, in Pieces like, against? Uh, you run it against Phoenix. Yeah. And then they play a Drake and make you sad. Or they're just hard casting their Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I found that against Rally the Ancestors decks, they just don't care. They just play your creatures. You, like you take your you take your turn off to cast Rest in Peace, and they fill up the board, and then they hit you in the face. And and that that's kind of what I'm. I guess maybe where I was going to point out is I don't think there's any deck that is so reliant on the graveyard that you actually want the Rest in Peace effect at two mana. Yeah. Uh, and even I think the Lane Line of the Void decks, it's more of a they don't have alternative options they're just running it because it's the one they have isn't graph diggers cage in this format it is it does uh not a ton against i think the big difference for graph digger cage is it doesn't shut down delve spells true and i think that is somewhat relevant but um i don't know i feel like the, like things are about to be shaken up so i'm not i haven't i would almost have to reapproach any sideboard i build at this point to what i think the the changes are going to be i also i'm going to enjoy my likely short time with is it phoenix in its full power glory <laughs> Because if uh, if these two decks were getting hit, I mean, I think Phoenix is a good. I think I thought Phoenix was a good deck, possibly a great deck, but it was maybe on par with the of the power level the rest of the format. I no longer think it's on par. It may be slightly ahead, and that's probably what's going to cause problems for it. Yeah, I th I think um, if if like dig through time is on the next set of bands, it's really bad for control decks because I... I've been playing. Uh, Sphinx's Revelation, and the card is nowhere near as good as it was in Standard yeah. when it was good in Standard. That's a rose tint. I think that one's a very much a rose tinted glasses card. Which actually, on that topic, have you guys run into any cards that you think had a little bit of a rose tinted glasses effect? Are there any cards that you remember from their Standard glory days which uh, have not panned out? Uh, Fear Visions. <laughs> I cannot get a win playing that deck. Is that card good in Standard? It, the the deck. I realize now it was kind of a meta deck because there was a white-black control deck in the format. And the fact that moving forward, there was so many um, decks that were built off of such innate card advantage between uh, the zombie deck uh, with uh, Critbreaker and Liliana the Last Hope and all the Delirium cards. A lot of cards that just value-engined out the game. And playing a, a card that just hurt you for having cards in your hand and having a backup plan of burn um, with Thermo Alchemist and everything was really powerful in that format. But when your opponent can cast their entire hand on turn four and you play revisions the turn before, you're just dying to your own card. And I don't think that that card can see play in this format, even if the format slows down. I think I could have warned you the Howling Mine wasn't going to work out very well. <laughs> I just if wanted you it someone to. someone to, like, hold you back. Like, <laughs> you told me last time. I was not going to hand... Uh, I didn't listen. Uh, I'm going to give a honorable mention, because I'm not convinced this card is bad yet, but it just hasn't seen any play, and I haven't found a home I liked it in, is Earthshaker Canra. Ooh. I've been playing that card in the Ramiap build I've been doing, and I think the biggest thing that actually is good for Ramiap, uh, Earthshaker Kenra, is having three mana evasive creatures. So the fact that you go Bomat Courier or a one drop into uh, Earthshaker Kenra, and then you play uh, On Crop Crasher or Frostodon, so that they have this situation where having the fact that you can play it later as just okay, now you can't my Frostodon now can't be blocked because you have two creatures, but one of them can't block. It doesn't have to get in there every time. That's why uh, Earthshaker Kenra a lot of the times in my deck is not a two drop. If they have nothing on board, I'll just slam it as a two drop. But if I have uh, Copter or or shaker in hand and they have an empty board i'm gonna play copter 90 percent of the time because i can get so much additional value out of the enter battlefield trigger later in the game uh or even if i get too late enough in the game just being able to discard it to copter is really powerful any for you nick other than sphinx's revelation uh How's Hero's Downfall been? Oh man, the card is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Three mana for interaction is too expensive in I, this format. I could have warned you and about that. that's the thing that you did warn me about. I could have warned you about that one too. <laughs> but yeah, like... Uh... Three mana, three mana 
anything just feels terrible. Yeah, I definitely, I, I think that that is definitely a, a key part of this one so far. And you know what? I'll give a rose tinted glasses to so far. And again, I maybe I'm the crazy one. I'm willing to accept this is thing in the ice. It doesn't flip in one turn, everybody. It's I've not. Been, I've been playing against a couple thing in the ice decks, and it does seem pretty slow. It's not the same card it was in modern. It's so different. I think the only decks that have been uh, utilizing it uh, well have been the Simic Nexus decks, because it's basically a threat that most decks can't kill without spending too much resources yeah. on, yeah. and it gets value as you you're... Know, yeah, and those Simic Nexus decks, too, you do not want to have Fatal Push in your deck against Simic Nexus. So it's an 0-4 wall that is an alternative angle of attack, and I think, yeah, those decks, absolutely, their card is, is quite a bit better there. So maybe I should, maybe I should uh, back off on my hate for it. But uh, it's definitely not impressed me. Uh, a card that I was actually surprised that it's still good is the opposite of Rose Tinted Glasses, where I took On Crop Crasher out of pretty much all of my Ramunet deck. Because I was like, oh, I can play more Chain Whirlers, more Ferocidons, and stuff. And right as soon as I brought that card back in, is I found that there was games that the only card in my deck that could have drawn was On Crop Crasher. The, the Crasher is a beast. It's, it's so good. A, it's got haste. It makes things not block. It's like it that was that's what was one of the absolute hits of all these mono red decks over the years. The the thing is, is it's not a, like I'm currently running two in my deck. I might move up to three, but I don't think I could run four because that card is fragile in this format. But how do you feel about Goblin Heel Cutter? I so much worse. I played that card a lot, but that card always costs three mana. Always costs three mana. You never cast that card for four because it never has haste at four. Right. Goblin Heel but it dodges sorcery speed removal. Goblin Heel Cutter is horrific. Also, fun fact, no one ever kills a tapped on Croc Crash. Yeah, it just hangs out. <laughs> Like, again, you guys, you guys did not exert on crop capture enough. You didn't believe that this card. Okay, was great. I I played more Ramonet Red than anyone in this room. I yeah, I, I am that. going to choose to not contest, despite the fact I know I'm right. I have played the most. <laughs> we shall go into this in detail later. Yeah. But I think that on Crop Crasher is going to increase in numbers as the mid-rangeness of this format increases, uh, while I think that Ferocidon is going to get significantly worse because uh, people are going to be playing more Okos and more life gain cards that are going to interact with it more. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit I'm gonna controversial rose tinted glasses here. Smuggler's Copter. Yeah, I've... that card has been significantly less impressive than I think people expected it to be in this format. I think the interaction is just so much better than it was when Copter was in standard. Because we're talking pre Fatal Push. No, uh, it was when well, that banned, right? uh, yeah, it might have been banned pre Fatal Push. It was banned right after Fatal Push was printed. Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. But again, critically, like, I don't think this card's done very much. It was a card that was going to be t uh, slotted into aggro, but as the format evolved, we found that the aggro decks would rather just play more aggressive uh, two drops and leave Copter for the mid range of your decks. Because that, that card advantage engine of it is very good, but it's just not fast enough when you can play like a 2-2 haster or something bigger yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that's critical it's like you know if, again if we look at the most recent pioneer challenge for example mono red played by canister hitoed the challenge no copter yeah we are well you're tapping out on two to do nothing exactly i think that i th i think that people had high hopes for this card and uh, i you know myself included a little bit and it's not really performed that that was actually a big thing that i found is the list that i converted into the failed wizards deck last time is i found that me putting copter in the deck made it a copter deck not a the not wizards a burn deck. deck yeah and i i think that the ramunap is enough of a mid-range deck that it actually plays copter well but i think that copter is still trying to find its place and people are trying to make decks to build around it instead of what i thought was going to be of copter goes in everything until it doesn't well it did go in everything and it, it, it doesn't point now. <laughs> yeah we, we already hit that point yeah what, just turns out there needed to be no intervention for that to happen yeah yeah, yeah. um like i think i think heart of curin is way better than smuggler's copter in oh this format. god that card has been oppressive it, like against as someone that plays a lot of aggro i am frightened every You're time telling me the four four with vigilance is 
good against your aggro deck. Uh, especially when there's like five or six planeswalkers they can play on three with five or more loyalty. So they can attack and block with it. So I have played three uh, leagues where I went 4-1. And at some point in that time, I faced the same guy twice where he went turn two Smuggler's Copter, turn three Oko, tick up Oko to make a food, attack you for four in the air with Smuggler's Copter. Hardicurin. Or Hardicurin. Yeah. That have the blocker available. Yeah, and you're not actually going down on loyalty on Oko because you're just going back to his starting mm-hmm. life total. <laughs> Yeah, that's one. That's the one I would be worried about. If, if something is too good, perhaps with or against Oko, it's, it would be like Heart of Kieran and how effective that card has been as a blocker in the past because it's difficult to interact with. There's not a lot of. There's no cost to keep it back on defense. Air quotes because the the costs are all paid at the time of use. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's definitely, definitely, that's a card I would not be surprised if that ended up being too good. Yeah, like there, there has been some. I like not ban worthy good, but like that is it is the planeswalker that is maybe the problem and not the heart. Yeah, like I think that it, even if Oko does get banned, there'll be stuff like the Royal Scions. There'll be Teferi. There'll be even like someone could find any of the uncommon planeswalkers that uh, like Narset and just be like, okay, I, I, I don't care for extra cards right now but I have this thing that I can use its static ability and just tick it down as a blocker. Yeah, the issue is um, you can never replenish your loyalty counters on the uncommons from War of the Spark. But, I mean, like, imagine the different scenario where you've used your Narset twice and you don't think that the static ability matters, so you just cash it in for four damage or a blocker. Or if the static ability does matter and your opponent's really incentivized to do it, it's like, okay, it's going to die anyway in combat. I might as well kill one of the creatures. And, and then that's true. untap, play my other Narset. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's fair. If you're in a Planeswalker heavy deck, I think Heart of Kieran should be in your deck and work from there. Because, like, one of the decks that I am trying to build, and I am not much of a brewer, as I've said before, is a mono-red Planeswalkers deck with the three mana Chandra and Torture Defiance and Sarkin the Masterless. And that is a mid-range deck that needs counterspells. So I've started splashing into blue, playing the Royal Scions, as well as uh, Narset, the five mana Jace. So what you're describing is a control deck. Yes, it is a control deck. It's 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 weird because I I wouldn't actually put it as a control deck because you can just go two three four and start killing your opponent with damage if your opponent's not interacting with you really incent or really heavily because you have all these good removal spells and powerful abilities but at the same time you could just take up for damage and kind of thing the the jace itself is one of those cards that i i put in there because i was like ah, i should have more card advantage near the late game and then it, the more i played it i'm like oh this is just a mediocre planeswalker that has a good plus i've thought about going the curve up and playing the six mana chandra because that card is nuts but i six is too expensive for planeswalkers in this format yeah let me tell you elspeth sun's champion Widely regarded as the best control finisher. Oh, that's a contentious claim, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight that one. But yeah, it's too slow. I believe that. You slam it on six, you make three soldiers, they just untap and kill you. It just doesn't matter. Like, the thing that I've liked about Chandra, the times I've actually been able to cast her, her minus wipes the board, her plus always kills a control deck. If you can get to that stage of the game. Yeah. yeah. If you if you are playing against a control deck and you slam that six mana Chandra because they can't counter it, mm-hmm. and you tick it up once, they're eventually going to lose. Yeah, that's fair. Unless they approach you. It's very much true. So, we've been at this for a number of minutes. Is there anything else that you think the format needs like not so much cards or anything but decks that you think the format's going to evolve into having i don't think there's anything that like that's really the my question about decks you've seen that have seen promising i think those are the decks that are going to slowly see more and more play uh things i think the format needs are better interactive spells that are just a little bit more efficient to try and combat particularly some of these Planeswalker decks. But, I mean, that's a different kind of wish. That's more of a, let's see what happens in the return to the return to Zendikar. Yeah. I, I think that one of the things the format needs is equivalency of mana bases. Uh, the fact that uh, the enemy colors are a lot more 
incentivized as three colors compared to allied is going to be a problem, especially how going forward we don't actually see very many windows to get more allied colors in the format because we have uh, Pharos coming up, which is giving us lands we already have. Then we have Aquaria, which might give us some allied lands. We have Return to Zendikar, which is 90% going to give us uh, an enemy colored cycle because we are losing uh, the temples from M20. So what's going to come in the format is really up in the air. Yeah, I, I agree that mana bases are not equal. Or not all color combinations are equal for sure. I think that if you want the, the spicy, spicy tech, I think there is a non-zero chance that the mystery boosters from the Richmond Pro Tour, I believe, coming up are, well, everybody's saying that they are hypothetically pioneer masters side of things. I think that's an egregious take. However, what I think could be very interesting is if it's a if it's an insert of pioneer legal cards of some kind. And the reason I bring this up is so the hardest part about evening up these mana bases are the allied colored fast lands because canonically they're they are tied to the Mirrodin. Yep. So they're in dire need of a reprint across all sorts of things, but it seems like it's very hard to not to get them in anything other than a sort of a supplemental product and this hypothetical mystery product could have like maybe it's like sort of sort of like pioneer set and it could bring in something like the fast lines at not outrageous rate well i mean they could also just take the fast lines and throw them in the next core set because the great thing about core sets is they're not tied to a specific plane they're not story driven you can kind of just take elements from whatever plane you need reprints from and throw them in your core set i also which they've done historically i also have a beat from the dominaria story where we know Karn got the Gugari, Gugal, the Silex uh, that Urza used to destroy the the world to bring about the Ice Age, and is taking back to Mirrodin to blow it up. I'm gonna level with you. I understood the words Karn and Urza, <laughs> and Ice Age. Didn't get blow up the world. I uh, so I, <laughs> I understand that yeah that there's a good chance we end up back on Mirrodin in the next like two calendar years like after I would this next put cycle. It, I would put it right after the Return to Zendikar. Yeah, whatever the the fourth set is because they've announced the four. I just don't remember what the order is anymore. Uh, so it, basically, right after Core Twenty Twenty One to Fairy Set, uh, we have Restoration of Zendikar or something of the sort. And I think right after that, we're going to be going to Mirrodin because we have this sort of thing of fixing all the places as we kind of broke. Yep. I, I think, yeah, we're probably going to go to Mirrodin in the next cal couple calendar years for sure. Yeah. Also, on the idea of the Mystery Booster, we do have confirmation from the live stream that uh, Wizards does that the, the Mystery Booster is not a Pioneer Masters and is not, to our direct knowledge, associated with Pioneer. Oh, okay. Well, that should be pretty interesting. Well, uh, I, I'm kind of waiting to find that one out, and I've got all sorts of other magic things in the meantime to keep me kind of distracted, so I've kind of, I've... Uh, I have... I have a guess on it. Oh. All right, what's your guess? Popper Masters. Because the thing is, is there's so many... Popper has gotten a lot more support out of Magic... Or uh, out of Wizards recently. And they're actually putting direct pressure on the format to fix it. <laughs> what needs a reprint in Popper? Oubliette? That's it? That's we, all? There is a lot of Popper staple cards that are like 6 or $7. Oh, to the point that there is some cards that are like $12. For a Popper common. Right, but like the solution to that is to just print another master set which they're done doing for the for a little while for yeah. a little while for like a year and a half like, but like yeah i don't know even if it's not a popper's master set can you imagine like a set where all the be like even if it's not like a master's masters even if it's a set where every single pop uh common in that set is a popper playable would be fine for the format right but here's the thing right they've they've gone on twitter and they've said this is a thing that everybody will be excited for because it's if it's a if it's a popper reprint supplemental booster pack i'm gonna be so upset but what if all the rares are lands tbd i'm 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 not i'm refusing to speculate further. i i think the reason that my they, brain will explode you know, i will say one thing i think that's where the fetch land reprint is going to be yeah mystery booster it's a mystery we'll find out it's a mystery it could be anything all could, right could, could even be a boat <laughs> Could even be a boat. Could even be a bivouac. I thought we were going to get through that one without the, the joke. We did not. 